Good morning. So today's reading is from Colossians 1, 15 to 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Amen. Thank you, Margaret. Are we expecting this morning? Yeah. I love that scripture of Jesus, that he is the firstborn among many brethren. I just love talking about Jesus. And as Pastor Graham mentioned before, that you know we're coming into Christmas, people are more mindful of, of Jesus. And what we're going to do today, we're going to talk about Jesus. So we're going to come, let's pray together, let's pray in agreement, because I believe that today God has things in store for you, for your life, where you are at right now, and that there are answers, there are healing for you today. Do you agree with me? All right, well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we get to gather together in your name. And it says in your word that we're two or more gathered together in your name, that you are there in the midst. And so we thank you that your presence is here today. And we thank you that whenever you, there is your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Father, we worship you today and we thank you. We are expecting to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. I love that Bible read. Can we put that back up from Colossians chapter 1? Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians, he says, but we preach Christ to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Gentiles, foolishness, but to us who believe Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So we're going to talk about Jesus and how, verse 20, we go to the first, first scripture, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that in himself will come to our first place in everything for it was the father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself having made peace through the blood of his cross through him i say whether things on earth or things in heaven man jesus is king isn't he jesus is lord and that's what I want to talk about today, that he is the Christ. So if you want to turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Thank you, guys. Turn with me in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. We're not going to let little things distract us. We're focused, focused on Jesus this morning. Oh, sorry, so Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. 
and it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said to him, Some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. So who do you say that he is? That is a very important question. Who do you say that Jesus is? There was um, a recent study done, and um, if you guys heard of Tony Cook, he's a wonderful Bible teacher from the States, and he was doing um, just he was doing some research on just the evangelicals and what they believed in the church. And this is a stat um, that he's mentioned, and he said that the, the question was, Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. And so that was the statement, and they asked people, like, what do you believe about this statement? So the statement, Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. 53% of evangelicals believed, and 11% were unsure. It's just interesting that people, I mean, even nowadays, like, I've actually asked people just on the streets in an everyday conversation, like, who, like, who do you believe Jesus is? And so often you hear them people say, like, the exact same things that um, Matt, uh, John talked about, or Peter talked about. He said, some say that you're a prophet, some say he's a great teacher, you know, he has some good morals that we could learn from. But the thing is, what Jesus was looking for was what Peter said when he said, but you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I love Jesus' response when he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father revealed this to you. He is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. And so, what, is, what does that mean, the Christ? Just to clarify, Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name. Just to make that clear. So what does the Christ actually mean? Because he's known as Jesus the Christ. So the Christ, it actually means he is the anointed one and his anointed. That's what the Christ is. He's the anointed one. And other, um, in Hebrew, it talks about, talks about the Messiah which is also in Greek is the Christ. So he's the coming one. The Jews were expecting the Messiah. The Jews were expecting the Christ to come. And they had a certain expectation of what that would look like. Because we needed the Christ. We needed the anointed one. And in Colossians chapter 2, in verse 13, let's talk about why we need the Christ, the anointed one. Because sin, we know sin has entered into the world. And that sin requires judgment, it requires justice. And in Colossians chapter 2, and in verse, the, verse 13 it says, When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and Jesus has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. We needed a savior. We needed the Christ because sin required justice and Jesus. Because if, if Jesus didn't pay the penalty for sin, 
We would have to. But by the grace of God and the goodness and the love of God, God sent his only begotten son into the world. Not to condemn the world, but that through him the world would be saved. We needed a, the Christ. We needed the Messiah. So when Jesus came onto the earth, he had a message. And if you turn to Luke chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 14. And it says, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues, and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book, and he found the place where it was written. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. That was what Jesus is anointed to do. And in verse 20 it says, And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your ears. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that Jesus came, and that's what he came to do. The Jews had a certain expectation of what the Messiah and what the Christ would do. Because the Jews were under constant oppression, and currently in this time when Jesus was alive, they, was under, they were under Roman oppression. And so for the Jews, the Messiah, the coming one, he was to set them free. He was to set them free from the Babylonians and from the Romans and to bring everything back into restoration for the Jews. And so when Jesus comes and he proclaims this, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, they looked at him and were like, He's just proclaimed that he's the Christ and that this is what he's going to do. And then if you look down the same chapter, uh, in verse 28, it says, And all the people in the, in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. And they got up and drove him out of the city and led him to the grove up the hill on which the city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. That's a bit dramatic. He comes and he says, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your ears. And you'd think that they would be happy to hear that, but they weren't. They were like, this isn't like, no, the Christ is to come to set us free, to set us like, liberty from as, us as a nation, as a Jewish nation. And Jesus is talking about something so much more. What Jesus came to do was so much more. It wasn't just for the Jews. He came for the Jews, praise God. But what he did, he came for us, for the Gentiles, for those who did not belong yet. Jesus came for us, for those the Spirit of the Lord is upon him because he has anointed him to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable and favorable year of the Lord. And today the scripture has been fulfilled in your ear. And if it was true then, it is still true today. So whatever you may be going through right now, Jesus is the Christ. He is the anointed one. If you turn to Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, it says, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God 
anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That's our king. That is Jesus. That is what he was anointed. He was gifted. He was empowered to do. We serve a good God. He is almighty God. You know, modern day, I'm not sure what to call them, modern day gurus, I guess we could call them, they talk about like good, you know, um, principles of how to, that will actually change your life, right? There are good things that you can put in place. And they talk about, you know, exercise and diet and all those kinds of things and self-help and not knocking any of that. That stuff is very important. But Jesus, when he came, it wasn't just to change your life, which he does, but Jesus is actually anointed to break the power of the devil. Yeah. The gurus, they can change your life, but Jesus impacts your eternity. He goes to the very root of what has been causing problems, what's been causing issues, and he changes it. And he can do that in a moment's time. What could be years and hundreds of thousands of dollars of counseling, Jesus can do in a moment, because what did he do? He said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Only Jesus can do that. There's no self-help. There's no techniques that we could do to change our eternity, to change our destiny, to change the very root and the core of who we are. Only Jesus is do that. And Jesus is anointed. He's empowered. He's gifted to break the power of the devil in your life. And that's what he's doing today, right here and right now. So I just want to just share some stories of what happened to the people when they encountered the Christ and they believed that he was the Christ. Um, the first example I want to talk about is in Luke chapter 5. And this is talking, this is about the, um, the man who was full of leprosy. And back in those days in the Jewish culture, if you were full of leprosy, you were pronounced unclean. You were basically, you were in exile. You were not allowed to come into like the village or to be with other people, you were completely isolated because it was such a disgusting disease. Like it impacted the way your skin was and it was so contagious. So they always put them out of the village so they were exiles basically, totally rejected. No one would even want to touch them, look at them, that kind of a thing. And so in Luke chapter five, it says, while he, Jesus, was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when Jesus, and when, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So think about this, this outcast. Think about this, the heartache he would have endured and the pain he would have been through because you're rejected. You're completely rejected by men. And you heard of Jesus. You heard that he's the anointed one to heal and to set free and to bring deliverance. He's heard that. And what does he do? He runs to Jesus. He falls on his face and he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And what does Jesus do? And it says in verse 13, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. He, Jesus touched the man full of leprosy. He was, Jesus was not afraid of that leprosy. He was the Christ. He's like, no, the greater is he. Jesus is like, I can touch this and it will go. Jesus touched him. And it says, Jesus says, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately, the leprosy left him. That's what happens when you come in contact with the Christ and you believe that he is who he says he is. 
What about the woman at the well in John chapter 4? In John chapter 4, verse 7, we've talked about this, this woman many, many times. But this woman, she also was an outcast. She came to fill up water in the middle of the day, which was not normal because it's so hot. So why would you want to go out in the middle of the day to get water? She had a bad reputation. She was known as the woman who's had plenty of partners, plenty of husbands, and the, part, the person she was living with at that moment wasn't her husband either. So she, she was not accepted in, that, in, the, in Samaria. And what did Jesus do? Jesus asked her for a drink, which was a big deal because Jesus was showing acceptance. He was showing that he loves her and that he values her. He was showing her importance. And they had this whole conversation. And then, um, verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I believe, I perceive that you are a prophet. And she said, Our fathers worship in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, and we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. This woman... Jesus showed the heart of the Father to this one woman. He declared, this is a, an eternal truth when Jesus talks about how the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That is a brand new teaching that they did not have yet. And Jesus, was, Jesus shared this with her as she was the first one to hear this truth. And that we are still talking about today. And this woman... She goes out and she proclaims that she has found the Messiah, that she has found the Christ to this whole village. And she says to the village, come here a man who's, who's known everything that I've ever done. Now to me, I find that quite interesting. When someone knows about all the things that you have done, do you want to go out and tell people, like, and say, come, this guy knows everything about me. Come and hear him. Like, no one would really do that. But she, what she did, she encountered the Christ. She encountered the anointed one because he didn't go and condemn her. But he brought, he restored her and he made her, gave her a message to preach to these people. And this whole village came and they heard Jesus and they said to her, they said, now we no longer believe just because of what you've said, but we now have heard, of, we have heard of him for ourselves and we believe that he is the Messiah. Wow. Oh my goodness, just through that one encounter. You have a testimony when you have encountered the Christ. You have encountered the anointed one, and you think you might think it's a small deal, but you know what? It's absolutely huge because that one woman's testimony changed the entire village. Yeah. Yeah. So when you go out, and I've encouraged you every single week to share the gospel with those around you, it's anointed. Yeah. You are empowered. You are gifted to speak these things. Yeah. And what about the paralytic man who was brought in front of Jesus? I love this story. In Luke chapter 5, if you think about this guy, so he was paralyzed, and this guy had four crazy friends. <laughs> he had four crazy friends that were like, you know what, I'm tired of bringing you to this spot every single day so you can beg. We're bringing you to Jesus. So right, all these guys, you can just imagine with this like mat, stretcher, they're pulling him along. 
right? They know Jesus is in the house, and they try to go into the house, but it's completely full. So they try to get in, they're like, there's no way around. And then you just see one guy on the roof. Go on the roof, we'll dig a hole, we'll drop him in front of Jesus. So they got, you just imagine these guys are taking him up, and they're up there, and they drag him on top of the roof, and they must have some sort of shovel, or who knows what they had, and they're just cutting this hole, hopefully in front of Jesus. That's probably what they're like, physics or chemistry, I don't know, what is that? Architecture? That's the word. Architecture. In front of, so they made this hole, and they like slowly lowered him down, and then probably dropped him the last little bit. And right in front of Jesus, and it says, Jesus, seeing their faith, he said, Jesus says to him, son, your sins are forgiven you. That's the first thing Jesus says. Like, I mean, if I, if I had someone right now just come here and cut a hole in, bam, right in front, like, that's just, it's, God is so good. He is so good. That's the first thing he says. And then, of course, the Pharisees are there, and they're like, well, who is this guy that he can just forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. And then Jesus says, he says, because he, he perceives their thoughts, and he says that, so that you can see that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, take up your bed and walk. So what did he do? He took up his bed, and he walked. Because he came in contact with the Christ. He believed that Jesus is the Christ, and his life is now forever changed. That's what Jesus does. John chapter 9. John chapter 9, we'll start in verse 1. And it says, And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? And Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. Interesting thing to do, to just spit in the ground, make clay, take it, put it on this guy's eyes and say, yeah, go, wash. go wash in that lake over there. So he went away and washed, and he came back seeing. He came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is not this the one who used to sit and beg? This again, another, another outcast, another person who, whose life was destined to just sit there and to beg for money, and that's all he would, would ever be. Life happened to this guy. Yeah. Have you ever been in that situation when life just happens? But then Jesus happens. And then you encounter Jesus. And then all of a sudden, your life is no longer the same. And then verse 9, it says, Others were saying, this is he. And so others were saying, no, but he looks like him. And he kept saying, I am the one. I am the one. And so they were saying to him, how then were your eyes opened? He answered, the man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash so I went away and washed, and I received sight. God is, is, the commandment of Jesus was just so simple. Go away and wash. So often we just complicate things and we, you know, try to reason things in our head. But the, Jesus is so simple. He is so simple. He just simply said, go and wash. And Jesus also says to us, just believe that I am he. Believe that I am he. In verse 12, they said to him, where is he? 
He said, I do not know. And they brought to the Pharisees the man who was formerly blind. I love that. <laughs> now it was a Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also were asking him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, He applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, How can a man who is a sinner perceive such signs? And there was a division among them. It's so important. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? And in verse 17, So he said to the blind man, Again, what do you say about him, since he opened your eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. The Jews then did not believe it of him that he had been blind and had received sight, until they called the parents of the very one who received his sight. Just so funny. People can be funny. How often did he say, I came in contact with Jesus, he told me to go wash, and now I see. And they're questioning, they're questioning, trying to get him to do all, like trying to figure, reason these things out in his head. And they just, they just can't. But he's so simple. Um, so verse 18, the Jews then did not believe that he had been blind and had received sight until they called the parents of their very one who had received his sight and questioned them. Is this your son who you say was, was blind? Then how does he now see? And his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, or who opened his eyes we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. The Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. You know, and it's still the same way today. When we say Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is Lord. He is the only Lord. He is the only God. He is the only way. It is still to this day that you're completely also rejected. And you're, I'm not sure how exactly how to say that, but people don't, they're all about inclusivity, like, well, you know, that's your truth, but it's not my truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no man comes to the Father but through me. And I, I will be bold, and I know that this church is bold, that Jesus is Lord. And we will not compromise on that. Because at the end of that day, every person on this earth who has ever lived will stand before Jesus. And they will give an account. But he is Lord. And it be simply just by believing in him, making him Lord of your life, calling him your savior. We can stand before Jesus with boldness, knowing that because of the blood of Jesus, I am saved, I'm going to heaven. I belong in heaven because of what Jesus has done. And we will not compromise on that because Jesus is Lord. So verse 24. So a second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He then answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. That's how you know it's Jesus. Verse 26. So they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Can you see over and over again? They're just... How? How? How is this happening? How does this happen? 
how does this happen? And even calling his parents in, all these things. And he answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciples too, do you? I just love that like attitude he has there. And they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Well, here is an amazing thing, that you do not know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, God hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and are you teaching us? So they threw him out of the synagogue. <laughs> they threw him out of the synagogue. And in verse 35, Jesus heard that they put him out of the synagogue. Jesus heard that, okay, this guy's been thrown out. Let's go find him. That's what Jesus does. Let's go find him. So Jesus went, and finding him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him. You have both seen, he's seen. He, was, he once was blind, but now he sees. So he actually could see the Christ. You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Who do you say? that he is. We can say he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And we can stand here boldly and I can declare that I have encountered the Christ, the anointed one, the one who has been gifted and empowered to release the captives, to set those, to, to set the men who are bound free and to preach the liberty to the cap, liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to heal the brokenhearted. I have encountered Jesus. I was once a, like a four-year-old girl. I was so shy. I could not even say my memory verse to my Sunday school teacher without my mom being there to hold my hand. I was so shy. But God gave me purpose. God gave me boldness. And by His by His grace, I am where I am today because I have encountered the Christ. But not just some little girl who was embarrassed and shy to speak, but God, I encountered Jesus. I encountered the anointed one. And I, I can testify to you, he is the healer of the brokenhearted. In a moment of time, he can heal that broken heart. He can take any experience that you have lived through and he can heal it right from the very core so that you no longer have nightmares about it. He can do that. I've seen Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God work in my family. I've seen him work in my oldest brother. My oldest brother, he was going off, he was going into doing parties and drinking and doing this whole, this whole scene, glittery girls, all that kind of stuff. And in one moment, he encountered the love of Jesus. And his life was going one way, and he completely, 180 degree direction, turned his life around and is serving God as a pastor of a church in Canada because he encountered the Christ. I have seen the Christ work in my other brother, Javen, and his wife, Megan. They had a miscarriage, and they, I, I watched them walk through it and the hurt that they experienced. But Jesus, they encountered Jesus, and they now have a beautiful little boy named Freddie. And the joy that is in that home because they encountered the Christ. And we know that that baby that they had that miscarriage, that baby is not lost. That baby is in heaven. Because that's what God does. God is merciful. 
He is so full of love. You encounter the Christ and there is nothing that his power and that God has anointed him to do that he cannot reach. I'm just going to declare some things about who Jesus is. And I have scriptures for all of these, but for sake of time, we will not go through them. But I'm just going to declare this to you. Jesus is the answer that God had already prepared since before the foundation of the world. Uh, which team guys can come up. He is the promised seed that would crush Satan's head. He is the blessing that God promised Abraham when he said to him, In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He is the prophet spoken of by Moses. He is the one prophesied of by David. He is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. He is the one who would bear our griefs and sorrows. He was the one who was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, so that by his stripes we were healed. He is the word made flesh. He is full of grace and truth. He is the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. He is the bread of life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the firstborn among many brethren. He is the image of the invisible God, that by him all things were created. He is before all things. In him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church. He is our faithful high priest. He is the radiance of God's glory, and he is the exact representation of God's nature. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one who is and who was and who is to come. The Almighty. He is the first and the last. He is the one who was dead and is alive forevermore. He is the soon coming King and he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let's stand up and let's worship him. So Father, we thank you that you are, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what I believe, guys, today, if that there, you need healing in your body, if you need healing in your body, or if there's anything going on in your life, we can encounter the Christ. We call him Jesus the Christ, the Anointed One. So if right now, if there is anything in your life that you want to be prayed for, you want to receive healing for, I want to invite you guys to come on up. And this morning, I went for a walk and um, I was like preaching a sermon to myself. And I have this, I've been having this knee pain for about a week and a half. To the point where I wasn't even going for a run anymore, which is a big thing. If I wasn't running, like obviously I was in a lot of pain. And I was on this walk and I was like speaking this, these things just to, like, to get ready for the service this morning. And as I was speaking these things about who Jesus is, praise God that knee, that knee pain was completely gone. I'm good, I can jump again on one foot. Honestly, it's so good. That is Jesus. So right now, be bold, come and receive. From Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. I don't care how small it is, how big it is. Either way, Jesus is here. He is here and he desires to do good.